Hello, RP people, and welcome back to Roleplaying as Smart People, a podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and I'm glad you can join us. As always, joining me is Mr. Finers and Scott W. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Craig. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's the bot from Discord, guys. There's better <laughs> services. Um, on tonight's episode... Uh, we are doing a bit of an homage to our second episode, which was uh, simulation versus uh, playability. And today we're doing rules light versus playability. Uh, so now, in principle, rules light are kind of meant to be extremely accessible, which kind of goes against, you know, are they playable? Yeah, they are playable. But when it comes to the game, is there a way to go too far? And does simplifying it so much tend to lose kind of what makes it magical? Let's get the conversation going. What's the pros and cons of a rules light system? Pros first. Scott, what are your what are some positives? Uh, I don't know, like speed of play and ease of learning the rules. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Finer? You got any? I wish I'd gone first because that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I th I think also another pro uh, positive thing about rules lights is it allows you to be kind of creative with. In, in some regards, it allows you to be creative with your character creation by just kind of using the rules, but usually they're, you know, they're kind of vague, so you're able to almost impose your own idea onto it. Although that can also be a con, because there is the um, oh, the paradox of choice, where when you have all options available, people tend to shut down. It's like, ah, I can't, I can't make a decision because there's too many options available. Whereas when you narrow those selections down, people now can comprehend, oh yeah, I can do this and this and this. And sometimes that helps spur creativity. I mean, one of the things that I have found is that in my own creative writing, putting bounds around what I'm doing forces me to become creative because there's a problem and I can't just do anything. I have to draw upon these limitations that I've sort of set for myself and it can create a more interesting character by having those boundaries in place. So if there's no rules uh, or rather there's, it's so wide open, it, it can do a couple of things, right? It can stall people from being able to make a decision and you may tend to just go with, the uh more accessible or the easy because it's 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 the one that comes to mind first right so i don't know it, it can go both ways for me that can also be a con and i just killed the conversation no no, no. I, I was no. actually just thinking i was like you, you kind of have a point there because even like when i was thinking about my own way how i create characters i like reading the book and kind of finding neat finding neat little ideas to latch onto either from character creation or from like a certain edge you can take or even like skills that you'll look at and you're like oh you can do this with this skill oh that's kind of neat and i kind of build off that so I, I see what you mean on that one for sure but um i don't know then you kind of have also the polar opposite of that like i know scott you love dungeon world it's you <laughs> you do um, this is fast it's fast and easy it's very fast and easy, but I, I hated the character creation and then kind of just, yeah, it's just yeah. kind of dull. Yeah. I don't think either of you guys really, uh, really took, took a shine to it. Actually. No, not really. Like, well, I, I, I think 
my problem with that though wasn't so much the game now okay when all of the paladins are the same or when all of the thieves are the same or whatever um i, I realize that there's some variability later on that you can possibly get into yeah. but at the beginning um it, it can feel kind of hampering and kind of stale mm -hmm. um, my biggest issue was i i just couldn't do anything i mean with with only two or three dice and you have to hit like a six or whatever it's like seven well, crap. or better come on <laughs> yeah yeah well but you, even i mean then, you, you, even if it's seven yeah. or better the average of a d6 is a three which means i'm failing on average <laughs> and so you, you get this envision of this big awesome paladin guy that just charges into battle and lays waste to, to monsters and and that's not how reality works <laughs> for the yeah. dice no it's an interesting so. point too on the map like i'm not i'm yeah and i don't know i just think it's a fast and easy way to i don't know scratch an itch maybe yeah like for like a one shot or you know yeah. if you have it like I, I brought this up in the last not i forget which episode it was a couple episodes ago i think where I think it's a good refresher RPG if you're not looking to really fully commit into a long-term campaign and you just kind of want to couple up, couple down just in order to, you know, refresh you for your larger campaign that you plan to do down the line. Like, you know, if the GM himself is like, well, you know, I got to prep the campaign. I'm not really ready for that right now. Or he just simply doesn't want to hop into one right off the hop after dealing with you guys for about a year already on the same campaign. Like, it's a good refresher, but most of the time you're doing like the general population is doing a fantasy one. So to try and hop from a fantasy game of long term to a minor one that you're planning to do like a session or two, it almost kind of seems uh redundant. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think yeah. I think that's kinda how I will I just have this like uh power by the apocalypse bug every once in a while that gets into me and I know like sometimes it's the fastest way to get into a game is to just do something super simple and super easy. Yeah, um, you know, instead of the slog that can be character creation sometimes. Well, and I will say the fun part about that game, I think, was the pregame setup where we were mm -hmm. talking about the world and as a group constructing some of the tropes that were going to be present in the world and how the world was evolved and morphed based on our conversations. That to me was a lot of fun. Um, that that was probably more fun than the actual character itself. So. Oh man, then I got a game for you to play. That's yeah. all it is. That's all the game is, the setup of the, the game world. Is it dialect? It is not dialect. <laughs> um, oh man, for life me having a complete moment where I can't think of the name of the damn game. I feel like that's the theme of this episode, where it's <laughs> just like everything just seems to be coming a little bit slower to all yeah. of us. All yeah, time Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'm sitting down and I'm like, I can't, I can't see the goddamn book on the shelf. There's two of them, but... <laughs> That's kind of the point of the game is you kind of you, you sit down and you have these index cards. And it, again, it's a gimmick game, right? It's a rules like gimmick game. You have index cards and the index cards one way, you know, vertical represent uh, eras. And then the other way, way, they're like these epochs. And you can say, OK, well, the beginning of our game is, you know, man reaches the stars. Cool. That's the beginning. And the end is um, there is trouble brewing on the frontier of this nebula. Now let's talk about what goes on in between and start creating some story elements to fill out the world and flesh it all out. And then 
you know, in a game of itself, you do that. But then I've always used it. Okay, cool. Now we've all created the setting because you ask quite people like, hey, what's what's something that you absolutely want to have in the game? Okay, cool. I want elves in the game. Okay, cool. So elves are going to be in the game. Now, what's something that we don't want to have in the game? And people start throwing stuff out like that. And then you just have conversations when people disagree with some things. And so it's kind of nice where you can kind of narrow down. And Because really, when someone makes a character, they're literally telling you what they want to see happen in the game you know, by what they put on that sheet, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Um, and so I think it's a really good way of figuring out what everyone wants. And then it helps the GM drill down into, okay, cool. Here's, here's what we can do. I mean, but the gimmick side of it is, and this is kind of a, it's a, it, I have an issue two ways on this is you sometimes end up with shit. You don't want to run. <laughs> I mean, it's just straight up. Because it's mostly all player generated. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy shit, too. You know, like people want weird stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, but when we first started out, we're talking about having, you know, Star Wars, you know, in quotes. And now we've got, you know, like these weird furry fighter pilots. And it's just, it's, we went, you went off kilter. And it's like, I really don't want to run this. So just just out of curiosity, what would be your uh, definition of a like a gimmick system? Because like we've kind of yeah, talked okay. about it, but I don't think a lot of people would actually don't really fully know what a gimmick system would be. Mark Borg. What makes it a gimmick system? Uh, it's character creation process. It's like five and a half pages long. Uh, it's only real attraction is the art, which everyone fawns over. It creates a cool coffee table book. Um, and I'm not alone in this, right? There's a lot of people online who are willing to concede, like, cool, it's a good for a one-shot. But that gimmick is, okay, cool, we make characters, everything's totally random, you make these weird, edgy, heavy metal characters, mm-hmm. and they're going to die no matter what. Right? Okay, cool, and I know you can, you know, obviate that rule, but that's not really the intent of the game. The gimmick is you make characters, it's super edgy, you're all, you know, the cure plays in the background, and <laughs> yeah. you go and do weird shit. The end. You know, no, that's like if, that's uh, sorry. If I ran, if I ran Morkborg, I would probably run you guys through Death Frost Doom using Morkborg because that adventure dungeon is perfectly coupled to a game like Morkborg. Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I would agree a hundred percent, especially with the Morkborg is kind of a coffee table book because yeah. me and Finder literally bought it <laughs> uh after seeing some pictures that you sent us on it and we're like that is so beautiful that me and him literally bought it the same day yeah it's not saying we can't play it i have no issue playing it running it whatever we yeah. want to do you know it doesn't bother me at all i mean it's it's yeah you know it, it works for what it is but it's definitely a high gimmick and um, i would de- it's definitely the most successful gimmick system i would say oh i mean yeah they're making a gajillion dollars just with the same gimmick over and over again um, what do they got? Mark Borg, Orc Borg, Pirate Borg. I even saw Borg. one supplement which was just called She, which was about a female mm-hmm. T Rex in battle armor. Yeah, just you know, you know, it kind of is one of those things. I mean, more power yeah. to him. It's a cool. It, it is cool. It's just you know, go find me the actual play with you know Mark Borg. You know, campaign mm-hmm. season one, episode forty six. Nah, you're not going right. to find that. Yeah, well, no, although no, no. the average game doesn't last more than what you said. Uh, yeah, time? right. You know, so that's so that's interesting, right? Is gimmick is gimmick really more important than 
I don't know. Is pretentiousness of longevity a, a good phrase? I, I kind of think, I think the, I think the longevity, it's kind of funny because like you're even saying that, but I think even an RPG that tries to tailor it towards longevity, I mean like really long com campaigns is almost a gimmick into itself on the opposite spectrum because you're not trying to say, oh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this will be done in three or four. You're like, no, when you play this, like let's say 5e, you're going to be playing a one-year, two-year campaign. And it's trying to sell you on the fact that you're going to do that when most people, it's like, hey, you got to level five, uh, then the group fell apart. And, you know, this is off topic, but I wonder if those stats are based on people that don't have a consistent group. Because I've, I've my entire life, I've had nothing but long-term campaigns that have lasted more than the average. Yeah. Simply because... I always played with my friends. Um, and I will say the there's like two, maybe three times. I, I take it. I can think of three different groups that I got in online through Roll20. One of them was with Scott. The first time it was a one-shot sort of thing. Um, when we did the Iberon, that was that. And um, even though we as a group haven't played a lot of huge long campaigns, this group has stayed together. The one that I do on Saturday has been going on, and we've gone through multiple campaigns that have lasted longer than the average. Um, my kids and my friends, those ones last huge long times. Um, so I, I, I do wonder if those stats are based on asking people that don't have ready access to a consistent group. So anyway, off topic, I suppose. No, it's not off topic. It's not bad. You know, because a lot of gaming became randos, right? Yeah. Hey folks, I just want to let you know that we're, we were having some audio issues this entire one and this whole 30-40 second pause was actually deleted completely. Uh, but essentially we're talking about how people like long-term campaigns but more the ideals of it, so people want to build and create those large things, but they don't always work out. Sorry again, hopefully uh, this explains a bit, but I'll get back on with the audio right now. Because there are people who have whole ass like spreadsheet character arcs mechanics wise, you know, and they want to get to that. So they're going to be willing to keep playing um, by any means necessary from some of the stuff that, you know, that people talk about. So, yeah, you're yeah. not wrong. You know, um, I here's a here's one. This is uh, this is for the table because it's one we all we all love and hold dear. Savage Worlds is a gimmick system. I don't Now Are you saying that because of the cards? Cards, Bennies. I don't know. Although if I, would... I, I guess technically Bennies were around before Savage Worlds, right? Wasn't that a Fate holdover? Doesn't Fate have a similar mechanic? Fate has Fate chips, but yeah. Savage Worlds predates Fate. Oh, does it? I thought Fate mm -mm. predated Savage Worlds. Mm -mm. No, See, and then I look think... at Deadlands, the mm. complete gimmick. But that was I think awesome. we might be getting yeah, yeah. a little bit awful because, like, in the, with that kind of thought process, anything could be a gimmick. Like the way I kind of see gimmick is where it heavily focuses on one major concept, whether if that's um, a mechanic or a specific like token type thing, uh, and it really tries to sell <laughs> that as your major one. Like Morkboard like, sells. Like <laughs> 
but yeah, but that's like a core part of the game. Like, I, I mean, know. look, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> so I don't know. It's, I it's, love Savage Worlds. I write for Savage Worlds yeah. professionally. I love the system. But, but you know, like, would, you, would would you say that's the only part of it that makes it unique? And it's that not. It has cards. a lot of different sy- systems in it that function well together. When you, if you look at mm-hmm. Morkborg, it's literally its gimmick is the fact that. So for me, the gimmick on Morkborg is it's all around quick death. I mean, there's a mechanic in the game that says you roll every single day to see if the world ends. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so that that entire game is designed around this is not going to be a campaign. This is going to be a, a meat grinder. It, it's yeah. almost. To me, it's almost like a trailer park truck attack role-playing game. Oh, man. What a great adventure. Or one-shot. That was that was a great one-shot. Yeah. But again, the gimmick there is you come to the table with 20 characters because you're going to churn through them. Yeah, yeah, sure. And yeah. so that's kind of the part of the conversation, right? We were talking about gimmick versus playability or, you know, some rules light versus playability. Yeah. Now, having said that Savage Worlds is a gimmick, Dungeon Crawl Classics is a gimmick system, right? With the funnel and the way spells work and you're able to eat away at your character's health and yeah. your actual stats. But they're playable. Like, yeah. I could sit and play Savage Worlds for a long time and I can play DCC I could do a whole, well, if you survive long enough in DCC, you know, so that's where I think the, the, the gimmick isn't, maybe there's a finer line we need to draw between like one trick ponies. And yeah, I think, some, I think that's the best know. way to put it for gimmick. Is it more of a one trick pony? Could you see yourself playing this more than a couple sessions? And yeah. I mean, like, cause like with Morkborg, I would probably be happy playing it, you know, two or three times pointing it to the side, maybe six months to a year later saying, Hey, you guys want to run another quick little run and you do it. And then afterwards, you kind of just put it back on the shelf for a while. Yeah. Like a palate cleanser. Yeah. Yeah. The palate cleanser. Now with that being said though, also, I mean, bringing it back to rules light as well, it seems like a lot of the gimmick systems are rules light as well. I, I, you look at Morkborg and that book is like really tiny, right? Yeah. Dialect. I, I consider dialect and tent candles gimmick systems. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, um, you and can end every time with uh, 10 candles. Yeah. Yeah. 10 candles. You know, it. you know, it's a one shot every time you play it. Yeah. Um, dialect. I haven't dug into the rules for that yet, but it, it just, uh, from what I've seen of it, to me, that's a gimmick system. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, yeah. The one with the Jenga tower. Gimmick. Yeah. Dread. Gimmick, yeah. Dread, thank you. I, yeah. I always want to. I always want to call it something else that I know it's yeah, not. Like, I know. I don't know what's wrong with you. Unbound. <laughs> I would consider that one a gimmick. That's the cards one. Yeah, right. I think uses it exclusively. A little bit more playability because it literally has different ways of setting it up. But at the same time, would you really want to do three campaigns of that mechanic in a row? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Consider, I would consider that one a gimmick one because i would want to play that but i don't think that would be my main system sure call cthulhu is a gimmick system the sanity system the game hall revolves around the sanity system and sanity loss yeah and you know you almost hope you don't you that you do lose sanity because you want to see what happens next and it's not really they have campaigns but even the conceit is you're going to lose a character you're going to lose them fast and then you have to be like hey we met this out are there archaeologists who happens also be an egyptologist and they're going to join us now because ours you know kill themselves yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a system out and I wanna know your guys' thoughts on whether or not it's a rules light and or gimmick, because I, I can see arguments for both ways on all of it, but traveler. 
Oh. What about traveler? Is traveler think... cool and is it gimmick? I think old school traveler was a gimmick system. I know it got played a lot, but I think the 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 legend of dying during character creation helped it. Yeah, I think I can see that. I now, don't. Yeah. That said, was it, it was and going back to specifically the old school one. Would you yeah. consider that rules light? Oh, I think travelers. I think, yeah, I would still say it's rules light. It's a very character creation can be a bit pain in the pain in the ass ish. Um, because <laughs> yeah. it's not well it's written, awesome. like most, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's awesome. It's just it's like most older games, it's just not well written. It's written like a technical manual, and some of the shit doesn't make sense, and the references are in multiple places. But yeah, I mean, other than that, yeah, you just roll a couple of dice and you look at a number, and you're good or good or to go, not good. I think personally, I wouldn't consider it a gimmick system, rules light or not. I'm not too sure on that one, but. As a gimmick system, I wouldn't. And the reason why is I think there's many different ways you can play it where you wouldn't get bored transitioning from another, like from one campaign to the other. And I don't think you would expect the same thing to happen. Yeah. So it's not a one trick pony. No, it's not. Uh, but and that's that, why. But it has a, yeah. But it has a gimmick attached to it, or at least it used to. Yeah. And I, I think everything in some terms has a gimmick attached to it. It just depends on how much it relies on the gimmick to really make it shine. That's the thing is I don't think original D and D has a gimmick attached to it, other than I, I it was, agree. yeah, it was the first. It's straightforward. Well, the gimmick was that it used oh, dice, and dice. it's there. Yeah. The gimmick on the original D and D isn't the fact, uh, like, isn't any of the stuff besides that it's a war game with a role playing component, which yeah. is not. Like, because it's one of its kind, and it, it literally came from Hangmail. Wargaming. Yeah. yeah. So, for its gimmick, game? its gimmick was <laughs> this is a game that you play all on the same t- side and you also role play. That's, That's interesting. The... It was the gimmick of Chainmail. Yeah. <laughs> it, it literally is. Now that everyone stopped listening, we can really talk shit about games now. <laughs> no, fuck it. It sucks. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is really interesting because, like, I'm kind of finding it interesting because I was I came in here expecting something else, and mm-hmm. this is actually going to a route that I'm really enjoying. Well, and so like and like uh, Finder said, most most gimmick or one trick pony systems are rules light, yeah. and the only real counter I have, I, I'm thinking real hard right now. The yeah. only real counter I have to that would be fantasy fantasy flight games as Star Wars L five R and Genesis. Its gimmick is the narrative dice. But it's definitely not a rules light system. And I know people will be like, it's rules light. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Tell me about your technical pyramid and your character class pyramid and every other pyramid that's in the game. And you got to cross index and spend hundreds of points and then spend your experience points, right? There's, so it's not really rules light. But the but, game but, is but are those one trick ponies, though? They're not really one trick. Like, I don't think it's a one trick pony. I don't think it's a one trick pony. And I think the dice that they added into it is a gimmick. But I don't think the system itself, the origins of it, like if you look at any, because which edition is it that has the dice fourth? No, fifth. Uh, Fifth. Fifth. Um, Cursed fifth. Um, But if you look at the other ones before that, I wouldn't say system wise they had a gimmick. They had um, kind of their own special gimmick when it came to 
the lore, but the system wise, I don't think it was a gimmick system. Yeah, no, it's the dice that make it the gimmick. I mean, other than yeah. that, you know, there's Star Wars, West End game Star Wars. It's not a Which gimmick. Which is the best. Oh, that's totally it really awful. is the best of the Star Wars. <laughs> and I would say their gimmick was the book itself because the yeah. book was phenomenal to read. I mean, the, it was the, f- as for droids and right. The, Cruise lines going to exotic planets was officially licensed, so you got all yeah. the cool art. I mean, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was well done. Yeah, and it's playable and it's rules light, really. Yeah, Man, and I, I don't know. And I, I think even like we're talking about, you know, with rules light and all that stuff. And I think the reason why, because we like, we still hear about Morkborg, and like when was Morkborg even released? It's now over a year old, I think, right? Uh, probably a little bit older than that but i'm not i yeah. don't know offhand yeah uh i can google it but um but oh, you look at keyboard. oh yeah right. my keyboard you'll hear me clicky clacking <laughs> after i'm done talking i think the reason why Morkborg, even though it's kind of a more uh of a gimmick system has its longevity is because it's allowed people to do what it wants with it and without having to worry about you know extra fees or shit like that they have an open license and it's allowed it to flourish a lot further than I think it would have done otherwise. Well, the OGL think... has an open license as well. I mean, so yeah. you can make D and D clones all day long. Um, oh, shoot. But how, the, how, uh... how good are the books though? Cause that's where Morkborg, it has its styles. The books, so some of the, yeah, the some of the, art... I mean, some of the OSR stuff is really well done. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. And then what's the um, oh shit, Forbidden Lands? They also have an open gaming license or a gaming license that you can use. Yeah, yeah, free league, uh, yeah, stuff. And you know, I will say that having played uh, Coriolis this past weekend, or rather, mm-hmm. I say weekend, it was really Friday. Um, it, it, it's to me that's kind of a rules light system. Okay. There's there's not a whole lot to the system itself. You roll pool of dice based on your skill plus the linked attribute. Um, They've really narrowed down the list of skills and the majority of the book, while the book is 300 plus pages, it's uh, a lot of it is setting material. It's getting you into the mindset of what it means to be a Middle Eastern sci-fi adventure setting. And Mm -hmm. so the the rules themselves are, are fairly basic. Um, almost to the point, and this is one of the things that I have against rules light systems a lot of times is a lot of things can feel samey. So for example, mm-hmm. Savage Worlds, you have persuasion and you have intimidation and you have taunt, three aspects of a similar sort of scenario, but used in very different ways. Whereas in uh, Coriolis, you have manipulation and that's it. And that covers all three of those um, skills. And so it becomes a little bit more difficult to, uh, like I was, I was looking at using your narrative chase deck uh, from Runeforge, get it on Drive Through RPG uh, for your Savage Worlds games, um, or, or for just a, a cool idea. Because again, Coriolis doesn't come with a chase system. And so I was like, well, I can use Savage Worlds here. And looking at the way that, Scott, you've got those cards set up where you've got like three or four different options. In Coriolis, I couldn't do three or four different options because one skill may cover all three of those skills. Sure. Yeah. And so it, it kind of put a little bit of, uh, this is less exciting now because I, I, I could do, like, like in Savage Worlds, you can do smarts and you can do a skill and they're two different things. And while the skill may be linked to that attribute, 
there's still two different mechanics. Whereas in a dice pool system, you're never going to want to choose just the smarts aspect of it because now you've cut out additional potential dice. And in a game where you need sixes to succeed, it's really hard unless you have a huge pool of dice to be able to try and get at least one six. So I think that's one of the problems with rules light is it sometimes streamlines things too much, almost to like a Mondrian level where you look at it's like, wow, that's just a bunch of colors. (laughs) There's there's no picture there. Yeah, no. And even like, I'm even thinking like to what you just said, one of the reasons why I wasn't a fan of dungeon world Sorry to kind of wrap back this around. Was the God, same reason why same reason again. why I kind of I didn't really care for the fi- like five E's character creation. And it's just the fact that once you get started, you can predict your next level, the level after that, the level after that, really what you're supposed to do. Because if you don't do that, you're literally just kind of making a character that won't really work. Right? Especially since you can only take certain like feats. Okay, I can only take these amount of feats at this level. Okay, I only have two. Then I move over to the next, and it just real. It makes you feel really samey and predictable. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind of if you just go that way, right? Um, yeah. That's part of the problem I have with some of the OSR stuff and fantasy is like I don't like playing fighters with long swords. I couldn't give a shit less about a long sword. <laughs> I like the look of a shield and a spear. I think that's the coolest shit ever, and that's how I play warriors. But that's not an optimum build, you know. And then that's stacks. Depends on the system. That's true. Yeah. Because I mean, in Savage Worlds, a dude with a shield and a spear is extremely effective because the shield and the spear both like boost his uh, parry and and the spear gives him reach. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you have first strike, I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think Savage World might be one of the rare systems that actually the my that 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 build really works really well with. It's not even power gaming. It's just like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. the, the game actually gets it. You yeah, know? Well, it's and, a six and, foot and, boar I mean, spear versus your dumbass with an axe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me show you what Reach does. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it, the great thing is the spear in Savage Worlds does the same damage as a short sword, which is what I think most people. I mean, when, when we say long swords. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of times we're picturing more of a short sword because short swords oh weren't God. just short. I mean, let's not get into this. This is a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great other episode. It really I'll, is. I'll write it down. Oh my God, you have no idea. There's people f- like vibrating in anger through time and space at what you just said. <laughs> Man. I already can, yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> I'm like Ben Kenobi. Was like, oh, I'll, I'll just say, I was surprised at how long a short sword is when I saw a real short sword. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's 24 a short inches sword? or so. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're bigger than people think. Oh, it, it also kind of depends on what region. Like, if you're looking at, like, a Cestus, that might be, like, a foot and a half, which is still an impressive length if you really think about it, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, really, it's intensive use, you know. Yeah. Roman, Roman swords were meant for stabby stabby, uh, unless yeah. you had, unless you were a cavalry officer, or a noble, and then you had the slashy slashy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those um, are official military terms for Rome. I'm sorry, stabby 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 slashy slashy. 
Well, what? Well, I mean, what the military did come up with walkie-talkie as well. So that's a true statement. Uh, true so statement. You, can you think of any um, rules light systems that actually do it well that you could see yourselves playing for more than like a couple sessions? A dungeon world. <laughs> I don't have the power to mute on this one. So. I don't know. What do you guys? Got? Yeah, you you got the build. You got the uh, power of post production though. Yeah. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> it's not the same though when they. <laughs> it's not the same when they don't know that they've just been fully muted. <laughs> um, I got one, and I think the reason why it works, I'll, and I'll say it afterwards. But monsters of the week, I could probably play that one on a regular basis. Um, like if you're doing like two sessions every, like every month, I think I could play that one for a long term. Really. And I'll tell you why, because that one, it's almost made to be played episodic. And that is a gimmick that is not used enough in games because how many like it's the same thing. Like I'm just going to bring because the closest like thing that you can think of it for that is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know exactly the shit shit that she's going to be kind of getting into every single episode but you still do it because you know that there's going to be something different and it's still going to be fun. And there's probably going to be a gimmick that's thrown into that episode that's not in any of the other episodes. So you can do a lot with the same character without it feeling um, like tacked on. Like, for instance, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they had one with a demon where everyone had to sing. And right, it yeah. was hilarious. It was it's one of my favorite episodes with that. And then it's like, okay, that happens, but it's all finished up in the next one. Okay, what's happening? I don't know. Let's have a TV demon that's sucking out the, the souls of people who are watching it too long. Like, you could do something. And then the next episode, and as long as it's done in an episodic manner, I feel like that one could be a good, fun RPG for a longer term. You're going to make me buy this stupid. Okay. What? Monsters of the Week? Yeah, I think I have that. I think I own it in PDF, but I don't know if I own it. it was, so you talk about the Savage World? Because Savage World has a version, right? Yeah, East Texas a, University. Well, there's an official version <laughs> of Savage Worlds as well, I believe. Of Monsters of the Week, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I might have to take a look. I, I And it's I, it's funny because like with Monsters of the Week, there's uh, a friend of mine who actually had the book, and I remember reading it, but then I downloaded the playbooks online just to take take a look and i was like oh i can imagine doing a lot of things with a lot of different characters and i i think because it's has that unique edge to it that it, i could play it for a long term in fact okay uh, yeah so, sorry go ahead finish your thought i was going to say in fact i actually saw the other day on uh on twitter um there's a podcast that they are already at like I think episode forty eight, and they do monster of the week. And that's the only system that they're playing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I, I think it's because they treat it as an episodic thing. They don't really. There's little changes in the characters, stuff like that, but overall, like they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. So uh, I'm going to ask a question. Shoot. What is your favorite gimmick system? Ooh, my fa- favorite gimmick system. Probably, and I'm going to exclude Savage Worlds just because that. W- <laughs> no, and the the reason why I'm excluding Savage Worlds is because although I could see how it's a gimmick, at the same time, it's one of those ones that like I think it's 
gone a little bit past gimmick, just like you wouldn't consider D&D a gimmick. Um, and I agree with you. I, 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 in my head, Seven Tools isn't a gimmick system. I see where Scott's coming yeah. from, but yeah. and, it's not a gimmick system in my head. And to be honest, I don't, I don't think I could consider consider most universal systems gimmicks unless they use, I don't know. Because even like, I wouldn't consider, I was thinking like, I really, for a gimmick system, I really like Fate. But I don't know if I would consider Fate a fully gimmick system because that one's replayability. If you have a very creative or a theatrical group, I think that one could be a one that lasts quite a long time too. That's, huh. I don't, ooh, Fate, I don't know. So it's not Monster of the Week. I'm I'm, I'm a dumbass. It's the Monster Hunters Club. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Probably, it's probably pretty similar. I'm like, getting well, the, well, the the gimmick there is it's ba- it's inspired by, or at least the vibe that I get is, um, oh crap, what's the name of that show? The Strange Stranger Things. Oh, that's strange, strange Things or whatever it's called, sure. right? Uh, uh, Eleven. Okay, so that's a newer game that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's only oh. within the past couple of years. Hmm. Yeah, because but you also somebody. have Monster Hunters Incorporated, which is based on the MHI novels. Mm. But Scott, do you have a favorite gimmick system? Uh, Savage Worlds? Can I not say that? Uh, no. You, you, you consider no, a gimmick I system? Can't. You, can, you, can, you can say it if you want. Shit. Like, favorite gimmick system or favorite yeah. game? Or gimmick game? Gimmick, gimmick. Well, whichever. I mean, it doesn't matter. Because if it's game, let's go system, game. yeah, system, I would probably say PBTA. Uh, <laughs> just, be, just because you can really. After build. all that shit talking. Yeah. No, but. I, oh I I'm I was shit t- no but monster <laughs> of the week is 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 um is you know PBTA it is uh but it's just it's the dungeon world part that I don't really like and yeah I would still have yeah. to go with monster of the week probably for my favorite game gimmick game there you go yeah I think on um, my favorite gimmick game is Spirit of seventy seven oh yeah you talk That's, about that one quite a bit I love that stupid game yeah. See, I, I I will play that if I get to play if we can do a Starsky and Hutch style. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's every seventies TV show and movie you could ever imagine rolled <laughs> into one game. See, we could do like Starsky and Hus- Hutch and uh, Shaft. Like, yeah, Shaft. absolutely. And right. Shaft. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Starsky and Hutch, Starsky Hutch and Shaft. You know, uh, are chasing. You know the. Uh, Fuck, I don't know, the Jello Banditos or some weird shit. I mean, it's just, it's the weirdest shit. I don't know. For system? Yeah, maybe maybe I think I think I'm with you. I think PBTA is my favorite gimmick system. Yeah. And it's funny because like I don't think I'd rev- like I think I would tr- play Apocalypse World, but I don't know if I would actually really want to play it more than you know, one kind of game of it. Yeah. yeah. So, did Finder have a did you already say paranoia. this? No, a paranoia. Paranoia? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a gimmick system. There you go. How we I didn't that? even think it, I didn't even think of paranoia, to be honest. I didn't really think of it as a gimmick system, but it is it hasn't it hasn't been in the gamer consciousness for a long time though. I mean no. it's like, yeah, it's got new versions, but you never hear about it. It's because yeah. it's problematic. I, I think the reason why that one isn't really in the player scope is because it's it's a game that you really need the right people in order to play it properly. You yeah. need the right GM, which is, I think, the problem with low life as well. As much as I love low life, that is not a setting that I could run. Uh, I, I can play in it. I can play in it, but I can't run it. 
I have a minimal knowledge of low life. Would you be able to uh, explain it to me in the audience or at the audience? Uh, sure. It's post-apocalypse. It's post-apocalypse where it is every bathroom joke you can think of rolled into one. And, and I realize that that's that's oversimplification. But I mean, you have sentient Twinkies. You have mm, sentient yeah. poo. Yeah. You have, it, it's like the entire all of the aspects of humanity remain and they still refer to humans as humans. And there are very clever plays on words that get you there. Um, but, but uh, it, it's basically just post-apocalypse playing anything but human uh, playing bugs, playing slime, playing uh, the, these weird mashups of what they, they're called tizens mm-hmm. and it's like it's an amalgam of all sorts of things just thrown together. Uh, the artwork is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 going to be a zany game and it's going to need a GM who can really bring out the zany, which is not something I can do, unfortunately, yeah. which is also the problem that I have. I, I can't really run a paranoia game either because my mind just doesn't function in that realm. I think in I order to, to watch play. that, you have to love like the older Saturday morning cartoons in order to run that one, right? It would help. Yeah, it, like... it would. It would help, but even then, I mean, Saturday morning cartoons isn't enough. I mean, it's got to be like I, I read, like the people that wrote Bubba Hotep. Yeah, I mean, they could run a paranoia game. They could run a low life game. I can't come up with the concept of Elvis. Uh, fighting the mummy right i mean that that to me is not in my realm of uh i i can't pull that kind of a story together because i i can't go that zany i I think that's my weird shit specialty (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i was gonna say i think like i i haven't ever i don't i'm not a you know regular gm or anything like that but i think i could potentially have a fun game yeah i think you could do it i mean imagine you know the little characters from let's all go to the movies stabbing the shit out of each other with like straws <laughs> you know sharpened I'm, straws and shit i'm kind of imagining kind of a blend from like if i don't you guys might be too old for this but like ah real monsters oh yeah, really that I, I can mix mixing that in with like happy tree friends with oh almost like yeah yeah yeah. That mixed with happy tree friends in a world that has uh that has almost that cheerfulness that hap that uh was it adventure time has, but with that really disturbing backstory that once you start looking into it, you find. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if you mixed in kind of certain elements of each one of those, you would have a lot of fun. Mix in Ren and Stimpy for the bathroom jokes. Yeah, oh, hate, I'm not gonna lie, I hated Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, I just, and what's really funny is low life is one of those things, one of those settings I never really looked at twice. I I've honestly looked at it once, I think. So I'm on I'm on the same boat as you. Yeah, we'll probably have to Google this afterwards and see. It's it. like super popular at cons. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wow. see a lot of low life games on Savage Saturday nights at cons. Because I've never. Like besides talking with Viewfinder, I haven't really heard anyone else ever say anything about it. Yeah, it doesn't come up frequently, but uh, yeah, super popular title though. It really is. Huh. Well, you learn something new every day. See, there you go. 
<laughs> well, at least from this, that's what I could say I learned. I learned low life is popular. Ish. Yeah. With the right crowd. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I don't know. Like, even like low, uh, not low life, uh, rules light systems in general, though, like, I think they, they kind of, they're almost like a flash pan kind of thing where it's like they're hot for a while and then they completely die out. Like, even if you think, like, Morkborg might be an exception to this, but even, like, if you look at Mothership, on the time that it was released, like, you know, being released, and even the month afterwards, you saw a bunch of, you know, things pop up for Mothership, or people saying, you know, like, okay, well, here's a system for this, here's that, here's that, but now it's like, when was the last time you heard anything about Mothership besides me saying something? I haven't seen anything on Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, not in a hot minute. There's been a no. couple of modules and some stuff, but yeah, it's sort of the hype is dying down a little bit. Yeah, and I kind of hope that the hype builds up after release. Maybe it's just while they're kind of tooling around with things, but it'd be yeah. Because yeah. even Morkborg, they it, it it was in 2020, and it's only getting massive now. So it was released. I think it said October 2020 or some shit like that. That makes sense. Uh. Yeah. yeah, so like I, I I don't know. Like even like Morkborg, you look at it, they even have a war game that someone came up with. with oh it. yeah, sure. Sky's the limit, right? I mean, oh yeah. I think my favorite rules light system is Shadowrun or Cyberpunk. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Apparently Morkborg is an OSR system. Uh technically. Yeah. <laughs> technically. Your favorite system. Why don't you love it more? So OSR isn't really a system. It's a kind of a mindset. A mindset? Yeah, yeah, it's a mindset. It's a a methodology of game design. But I mean, yeah, it uses all the D and D dice and tropes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. It's kind of its own thing. But, you know, it's it's weird. There's these games that are in these weird spheres. You know, like if there's a Venn diagram of OSR, for sure. You know. No, I actually don't. I thought OSR was kind of like old school D and D kind of style stuff. Like it is, but I mean, Morkborg. I mean, if you want to go that, if you want, to, if that's your starting point, Morkborg doesn't play anything like old school D and D. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of yeah. see it almost like a mashup of D and D with, oddly enough, uh, PBTA. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, and then there are people who are like, OSR is you know, Traveler belongs in it. Well, no, it doesn't. You know, Warhammer belongs in it. No, it doesn't. You know, it's just weird. Like, like there's just like this Venn diagram that kind of is OSR. And some people are purists. There's just, it's a weird thing. So what would you, out of curiosity, what would you, um, wh- what makes it an OSR if it's not the mechanics? For Morkborg? For like, because you're saying there's a whole diagram and everything like that on it. And for me, I thought OSR oh, was like, okay, it's a D20 damage. It's going to be mo- is going to be usually different types of dice based off the mm-hmm. weapon. But yeah, I don't know. Now I'm kind of like, since you said there's a whole different route to it, I'm kind of well, curious what, well, how so you. Ninety percent of people agree with you that in order to be an OSR game, you have to essentially be a clone of original Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Or use the mechanics used in original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, all the, all the polyhedrals. But mm-hmm. you know, but what I meant was, is there are people who consider any game from like the '80s back to be part of that OSR movement. Um, yeah, any of the really old games uh, that you can find, 
so even Cyberpunk, you know, uh, 2013 is an OSR style game, but it's not, you know, I don't consider it OSR, but I understand the, the conceit is that the original seeds, you know, kind of belong in that sphere. But yeah, I think in general, for an OSR, you're going to have to use the full polyhedral set. Uh, you know, so the majority of your framework is Dungeons and Dragons. Interesting. Yeah, it's also, a really, it's a big yeah. bitch fest online. Hey, it's Santa again at post-production. Uh, we had another error right here, just letting you guys know, but we were pretty much talking about how the conversation itself has become more and more about gimmicks, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of people don't like hearing about how their system might be a gimmick system, even though, you know, nothing wrong with gimmicks. Everything has a gimmick. It's just such a weird conversation. You yeah, know, like, that's fair. Everyone's mad because their favorite game is called out for being uh, a f***ing gimmick. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> right? There's very few very few role-playing games that aren't gimmicky. I mean, if we really want to get down to brass tacks, it's really just a ground truth. There are very few games that aren't gimmicky. Um, and then the uh, most of the games just have some weird gimmick to them. And then there's a whole slew of games that are just really awful, and they don't have gimmicks. But they also don't deserve to be played. So, <laughs> no. So even what, like, what we're saying though is the gimmick is what makes games interesting and playable. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, right? Yeah, there's got to have I, something to it, you know. Because that's a lot of folks. The OSR is like, you know, okay, cool. I made old school essentials. Okay, cool story. You redid Dungeons and Dragons. I don't really need to give you money because all I need to do is play original Dungeons and Dragons, which I have everyone who's a gamer probably has a, at least a PDF of, I have all the old books, you know, it's like, so to me, that's just this banal mindset of cool. We're going to redo the same game over and over and over and over again. Okay, cool. What do you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. You know, no, like even with the gimmicks thing, like I think a lot of people when they hear the word gimmick, they almost kind of put it into a negative light. Like, they're yeah. just like, oh, it's just a gimmick. It's like, well, everything's just a gimmick. Like, for instance, your guy's new fancy mic that I don't have yet because the wifey has said, oh, no, your wife, ju- wife mic just works fine, has a mute button where if you touch the top, it mutes, which is so cool. And it's a gimmick, but it's an awesome gimmick. You want to know the truth? You don't got to touch the top. You can just get close to it. it True story. It, yeah, it picks up your wow. heat, your body heat. You guys are just trying to make me jealous now. I told you. I told you. All you gotta do is be like, "Oh, Zencaster has an update, and it only works with this microphone." <laughs> yeah, she's not gonna believe that for a second. She doesn't know. She and be like, she's like, "I'll show you the web page." Oh, the web page won't load. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have screen captured that. Oh my god! Yeah, you're not just... wrong. Yeah, no. you're you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, I don't think gimmick is a negative term because most of the gimmick systems, most of them, we talked about. I really love Dungeon Crawl Classics is a very fun game and I would love to run mm-hmm. a campaign at Dungeon Crawl Classics. But it's definitely a gimmick system. Oh yeah. But the, I mean, so fucking, the, the fucking dice to me Go is ahead. the one trick pony. The gimmick with the one trick pony. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, granted, Morkborg is. And I love reading that. I, I don't think I could run it, but I would love to play in a game. But to your point, I don't think it would be something that could be maintained or sustained over over the long haul. No, I don't think it'd be fun. No, I think you'd have to really, uh, you'd have to add it into the system itself, which I guess is why they have a ton of supplements coming out from all independent people. But it's one that has a good framework. Mm-hmm. 
but it needs other things added to it to make it a long term. Yeah, sure. That's fair enough. I mean, man, yeah. I would really just shit on Mark Morkborg. We can shit on Mothership for a little while if you guys want. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's a one trick. I, I haven't too. played it, so I can't. We yeah, have we, played it. We've, we've played. We it. played one session of it, and one unfortunately, kind of, it ended a little abruptly. But it was I. I was having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Are you having was, fun with the system or with the characters in the the adventure? Good question. I don't Ooh. know the answer to that because a lot of the rules. <laughs> I don't know if we did a whole lot of die rolling, right? I mean, there's a lot of role playing. No, that, you guys did that, some uh, dice rolls though. We you did guys dice rolls saves to get out of cryo freeze and not. That's you true. Know, oh. Um, he made his that his uh, what agility or whatever the hell save it is to be, before he just got slammed to the floor. <laughs> yeah, finder hat threw up. Remember? So yeah, he threw uh, up. Yeah, so he failed his crowd sleep. We did some fun things. You no, guys was... were making the uh, fear checks because your ship was taking critical hits left and right. Yeah. The one one thing I'm kind of thinking though is like mm-hmm. although I would say yes mothership is um is definitely kind of a gimmick system the replayability of that one I could see that one being a lot higher than Markborg's just for the fact that you can do a lot of fun entertaining things. And But the, I, to me it depends. I, I don't know how deadly the system is. Well, here we go. Well, no, I mean seriously. No, no Mark, yeah, you're Mark, not Mark, Mark guys. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's the yeah. whole thing. Um, Savage Worlds has a deadly system, but it also has a way to counter that so that you can uh, not die. Right. I mean, you got the Benny mechanics to, to help you soak rolls. Um, if you play smart, you can avoid death by by taking a smart approach to combat um, with Mothership. I, I truly I have no concept of what combat looks like in Mothership. And to yeah, be fair, even in even Mothership, they say it's like combat should be not your plan A, not your plan B. It should be like your plan Z. So even in the rules, it's like even like from like the devs and all that, they're like, no, you should really reconsider if you're just going to try and fight something head on, which then creates it more of a... It as much fun for me because honestly, I'm, I mean, I'm a murder hobo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like playing games where I get to to fight and uh, yeah. beat things up because sure, yeah, that's the fun part. I mean, yeah. But I'm fifty years old, I've, I've done a lot of role playing in my life. I mean, I role oh. play every day at work. So there you go. I roll, yeah, I role play being interested in work still. <laughs> yeah. I think we all do. But um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I think it. I think whether the playability for Mothership more relies on. Do you have players who? want to just hack and slash or do you have players who kind of want to almost know that they're on the back foot and trying to make the best of a bad situation to see how well they can do so i think the playability of it would be higher than workborgs how much it is it's hard to say just because the full rules are not out yet but i could see a pretty fun kind of like firefly type style thing going on I guess you could do that. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. I do. The guns are super deadly. That's the one realm, right? I mean, you guys yeah. didn't experience that, but yeah, being shot at with like 40, 10, 5, 10 damage is crazy. Oh, no doubt. Especially when you don't have that much health. Um, I don't know. Mothership. I think I, I, I still go with, although it's a gimmick system, I think it has higher playability. Personally. So not a one trick pony. Not a one-trick pony, but I think sci-fi in general is harder to make it a one-trick pony opposed to fantasy. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I can respect that. 
Yeah, and I don't know if maybe I'm wrong on that one or not, but I just feel like fantasy... No. I don't think you are. Yeah, because fantasy tends to... Like, you, you look at any fantasy game, and you usually see the same tropes done the same or very similar, you know what I mean? Well, sci-fi, you're just kind of like, well, it's a whole big galaxy out there. Who the f*** knows what you're going to run into? Maybe a, a planet that's actually the size of a... is really just one massive obese human. Which exists in 40k lore. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty cool. Of course it does. Oh yeah, it's actually pretty cool lore, and it's all for Nurgle. <laughs> but yeah i don't know i think i think yeah maybe maybe sci-fi is just harder to gimmick like to unsuccessfully gimmick but i don't know is there any would you say is there any settings that are harder to actually do a rules light system for yeah cyberpunk <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that, yeah. That's a tough one, man. I mean, I started out with like the best intentions. I don't I don't think Neon Blood is complicated by any means, but uh yeah, rules light. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I and maybe we should have asked this question up front, but what do we consider rules light? I mean, is yeah. D&D rules light? And I oh. say no. No. But by at the same time, any version of D&D but but even okay maybe basic basic was probably rules light uh, maybe expert uh, was rules light once you got to AD and D where you now have three rule books just to run the game um, no longer rules light but by the same token the funny thing is it doesn't have in my opinion some of the rules that like and I consider Savage Worlds to be rules medium I don't consider it rules light but I don't consider it mm -hmm. rules heavy either it, yeah it tries a nice middle ground there but it's got task resolution options for chases for quick combat for quick encounters so like when you need to defuse that bomb there's a mechanic that you can use to go through that very quickly whereas in D&D &D, you have a bunch of rules but they don't cover every scenario and then you're left going well what do I do here how, how do I run a chase in D&D &D? um you know which, what what probably a good topic actually for a show like you know like stop stop forum begging i don't know i don't know what a good <laughs> semi-prickish title is you know but it's like <laughs> it's, you it's know like... figure it the f out but you're not wrong though right because i mean i get a lot of questions it's just like dude if i didn't put something in the fucking game just figure it the f out yeah. like how would i use D D for modern cool it's in the dm's guide you have guns and shit and then it's like, okay, how do we, like you said, how we defuse bombs? Okay, cool. Let's take a look at the rules and what's going on in there. Uh, yeah. Just kind of go on the fly. But I don't think a lot of people are comfortable with that, or at least they don't like that. Which I think that's where Savage Worlds really excels. I mean, yeah. it answers those questions for you, even though people complain constantly about how the, those questions are answered. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's mind numbing. The question about, oh, the one I ran into recently was cover being useless or oh, no sorry overpowered in savage worlds because the person didn't understand the rules nor how shit functions in savage worlds yeah. or that you can shoot through obstacles you know i.e cover um and then suppression fire was the most recent one where suppression fire is useless i was like ah, i don't think that's true yeah 
So for a finder's question then, how what would you consider a rules light? I think it is the best way to do it is if if you need if you should always bring the book to you with you in order to play, it's probably not a rules light system. It's the best way I can think of it. Like, can you play this game pretty successfully without having the rule book next to you? Shit, I don't think you can do that with Dungeon World. Eh, I don't know. You can. I think you could probably do it. I think uh, maybe. I guess if you memorize the moves. Well, even that they have. There's you can when you download like all the playbooks, all the rules are literally like all the moves are literally on one page, and then your character is on another page. You have two pages. If you left the book at home, you would never be lost. Well, true statement. Yeah, like five e. You bring you forget like the GM forgets the rule book at home. All of a sudden he's like, Oh shit. I didn't write down my I didn't write down the even if you forget the monster manual, it's like, oh shit, I forgot to bring the monster manual. I don't remember the stats for this. Or hey, what's the rule for this on this for this kind of cover? Well, I don't know. I'll have to look it up in a book. Or what's the fall damage? What's this? What like there's a lot of questions that can come up and that's when I think it's like, okay, you need to have the book with you. It's not a rules light system. Yeah, no, that might be fair. Yeah. I'm to, yeah, I'm trying to think. Cause, man, because when you have to have Savage Worlds, I have to have that book with me. Yeah, especially. The question is, do you have to have that book with you because you haven't, you haven't played enough? Like, I mean, a lot of the questions that Santa was just throwing out, I could have answered. And uh, I can answer for D and D. I can't answer a lot of edge and hindrances. Like I don't have those memorized. Like I, I know dudes who have yeah. that shit memorized, and I'm like, I just don't. But even it's like, okay, what are the three actions that you can do with a shield in Savage Worlds? Well, shield bash. If you're talking, are you talking Push. things like shield bash? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just bringing that up as a reference. Like, there's different actions that you can do with a shield itself. Block would be one of them. Shield bash would be another. You can also this, just do a push. Know, the, but... the block, the block is no. The block is not an action. That that's something that the shield does inherently. Right. Yeah. It yeah. adds to your parry. You can shield bash, which is mm-hmm. nothing more than a fighting attack using your shield. So it does shield damage. It does damage. Yeah. Um. But I mean, uh, when I hear the term action, I'm thinking of like I can take a fighting. I, I when I attack, that's an action. When I um, taunt somebody, that's an action the shield is a tool in, in action but in situations of action. What I'm getting at is the fact is that I know you've played this a lot, but if you were to, if someone was to do that, you might probably be like, Oh, I don't fully know. Like I have an idea what it is, but I don't fully remember all the rules to it. Let me look it up. You know what I mean? just... Any game is going to have that problem though, because you're going to have rules oh. lawyers in every game. Oh my God. Yeah, you will. And so that, that I guess, it's not a bad uh, line in the sand that says, can you leave your book at home? But, I mean, Matt Mercer can leave his D&D books at home. Well, that's because they don't play D&D. But, um, yeah, and, and they well, also no, have... No, but, but he, know, he knows the D&D rules, though. I mean, I saw him on... He does. Uh, well, yeah. actually, he, I saw him playing well, actually, and they asked some really obscure questions, and he's, like, correcting everything. He's like, oh, no, this is... And nice. they looked it up. I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right." <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty sharp on the fly because yeah, he's gaming for you know 11 people who are all trying to <laughs> f- about, and so you, you yeah. know, I've, I've seen a couple of episodes where it gets a little heated when he had to explain why their favorites can't do what the f- they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but 
like he he's he's an outlier to the rule but for the average person they wouldn't be able to quote as much and having that book around would be very important same with savage you're kind of an outlier because you've played it now for how many years like you are probably more well versed in it than some people who actually work in sap like at savage worlds (laughs) yeah yeah why you're bullshitting like like you that yeah that's no bullshit that's that's legit. You probably know more than some people who work there. And that's just for the fact that, yeah, they've been playing it for a few years and they've been working there for a few years, but you got an almost a career's worth of time invested into the game. That's why he is the RuneForge's uh, official technical advisor. <laughs> yeah. He thinks of shit I never think about. Yeah, that's why I have to mute him when he starts talking about Savage Worlds too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Savage Worlds, and yeah, I really just use crib notes. You know, I use the not the GM screen, but the little. Yeah. Mostly, it's the kind of extra shit you can do. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I've been back to playing Savage Worlds and writing for it now for a little bit now. Yeah, and I think I'm right back to where I was in the saddle. You know, just of like, that. yeah, what shit does, and you know, oh, there's a couple of little changes that are like, oh, that's different. Okay, cool story. Now I got to figure that one out. But yeah. Well, we started playtesting your game that you're currently having for Savage, which I don't think you want to. With Tathworth Raven? Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mind mentioning it. It's... Okay, I, I wasn't too sure. I just didn't want to, you know, all of a sudden say something. You're like, oh, you got to delete that shit. But anyways. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm not fully back in the saddle yet for Savage Worlds, but creating that character with you guys last Wednesday, I I was starting to remember why I like this system so Yeah. Much. And that, yeah, exactly. that was kind of it. Like when you guys mentioned, oh, we're doing Savage Worlds. I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that's cool. I've I've played it before, you know, it's, <laughs> that's cool. But like I, w- I was excited to play, but I was just like, yeah, OK, I, I kind of know where to go. But then, yeah, because it's been like what I over over a year that since last time we played e- easily, easily a year since last time we played, you almost kind of forget a like forget how why you enjoy it and yeah. just doing the character creation i was like this is why i first started really liking savage even before i played was i'm having fun making a character while you yeah. guys are just shooting the shit and in between of me actually you know asking a couple of questions here and there yeah. and you know yeah. and you know i think uh finder mentioned it before people were like oh shit some of the shit's kind of the same i'm like i don't think i don't think you guys could not have made two completely different operators than you did which is ironic because they also complement each other they really do you know but that's kind of i'd like to think it's pretty probably the genius of the design behind mm-hmm. it i'm just if i had to put a, put a pin in this <laughs> no hopefully it works out well we'll play well i've got i've got i got interesting ideas of what to do with you guys and as we play this campaign and test shit out and see what happens and seeing what you posted on Discord today, I'm kind of worried about what you have planned for us now. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just I thought about that when I was in the shower this morning. I was like, I probably ought to talk about this topic. The topic is interrogation for anyone listening, because, like I said, unless unless you've been interrogated, <laughs> you really probably don't have any business discussing the game <laughs> table because you're just going to, you know, people are going to go full stupid with it. And so I'm like, Here, here's how it kind of really works in the real world. And here's, you know, some examples of hard sell, soft sell using the very same thing, but you know, how you approach it is really how it functions out. And then, you know, not sitting there and getting gruesome and shit because I yeah. just, 
I think it's irresponsible for people. Because then it goes from interrogation to torture. And, you know, you saw where I defined the difference between interrogation and torture. And I know there are people who would be like, oh, the same thing, bro. Like, okay, cool story. No. Uday Hussein tortured people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get through all that because I was eating dinner when I was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just just opened my phone. I opened my phone for a second. I was like, oh, what did Scott say? I look through it. I'm just like, this is a massive wall text. I don't even know where to start. I'll check on it later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just bounce shit off you guys because I'm yeah. like, in my head, it sounds good. It makes sense. And then like when we start making characters. Well, yeah, I think you, you can are... maybe take for that thing. You could probably take uh, a little um, rule that they have in PPTAs with the sex moves. Uh, <laughs> where no, where it it's a fade to black moment. That's kind of what I did. I just didn't yeah. want to call it lines and veils or anything because yeah. that shit's so overused in common parlance. Well, yeah, you, you just got to look at the sex moves, man. It'll always I'm teach not, you the right way. No. <laughs> I hate you so much. I know you do. I know you do. I'm going to put that disclaimer in the front of any game I write. There are no sex moves yeah. in this game. Well, you want your game to sell, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at the beginning, you should say "see page X for uh, sex moves," and when they go there, it's just there are sex moves. it's just big giant <laughs> middle finger. Uh, yeah, it's just like a, just it's a QR word. code for OnlyFans. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, now I want to write OnlyFans, the PBTA game. Right? Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, we've got way off topic. Yeah. I think oh, might be, yeah. What was the topic again? Quirky games, one hit wonders, gimmicks. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, Dragon Age, the role playing game, was a gimmick. It had, it, you know, it all rolled rolled around the stupid rolling uh, doubles, and then uh, you got to get points based on the doubles. Blah blah blah. And then, but the problem with that is, is like, you want to leg sweep someone. Most yeah. systems allow you to leg sweep, but not that system. You have to do it if you roll doubles and if you have the points to spend. It's it's the it's a gimmick that failed. Yeah, I think I think you could also consider, and I think this is a who's eating. Wait, you could hear that? Oh yeah, yeah. you guys. The mute is or the mic is not mute. Yeah, the mic is not muted. I think it yeah. was supposed to be muted. It's supposed to be muted. What the is heck? your is your light on? My light was off. Were you eating chips? No, I was getting ready to pull out a Twizzler. I know. Those are awesome. Oh, goddamn world heard it. Russian I listening posts heard it. <laughs> <laughs> the Russians, they heard it. Um, well, well anyways, I have to see what's, why that's happening. There's a fucking number station right now talking about your stupid Twizzler. I've been tapping my mute button all night thinking it's working. It's like, well, crap. Told you there was quite a bit of them on this one. It turns out that Finder was using his mic from his computer and not actually the, his new fancy mic that he bought that I'm jealous of. So, um, yeah. Well, that, I, think that, I think that's the first time it didn't work. But um, what I was about to say before mm. I was so rudely dis- uh, you know, <laughs> interrupted by the Twizzler break um, was I think you could also a successful, um, what was it? Gimmick system, I would say probably Numenera. Oh, shots fired, but you're not wrong. And and 
again, like the only reason why I'm saying it's a gimmick is because a lot of the times all the character creation is it gives you a sentence that you pretty much have to finish. It's, I'm a noun who verbs. Yeah, essentially, a hundred percent. Like, yeah. I, it's almost like those freaking ad. It's like a, it's like a game built around ad libs, and it works. Yeah, basically, that's I the mean, crazy thing about it is it's an ad lib ad libs game that, that works because they went stupid with how they do their target numbers, and that is the dumbest system I've ever seen in my life. You think it's, so? Yes, it's so not straightforward. How do you generate a target number to know what you have to roll? No can idea. You do it, can you do it offhand? No. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just fucking stupid math that is unnecessary. Yeah, that's, that's, I, like, I like the lore of it. I think that's why I like it. Well, the lore is... So it's that's so, also the other problem I have with it is human beings, especially people who believe they're intelligent, they don't understand nine billion years is not what they think it is. There are no flashlights made today, nine billion years from now, <laughs> that you're going to find and pick up his tchotchkes. It's just not how, it's not reality. <laughs> so I don't know. The, the timeline is just so far off that we just, we can't comprehend that, that kind of time. And they went, they went way stupid on the, the timeline. Yeah, I think the nine billion years part, it is definitely kind of a, uh... Especially if you're dealing with a world that's literally all nanobots at this point. Like, and been destroyed would, over and over again, right? Yeah, why 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 would you be able to find a toaster that definitely the Admech would have found before then? Yeah, yeah, it's just dumb. They should have went shorter, you know. Taking inspiration from Destiny. I think the world of Destiny is perfect for Numenera. I, I think Numenera <sighs> is just the sequel to 40K. Oh, man, look at you. You're going yeah, hard. I'm going at it hard, man. Prove me wrong there, folks. I don't know. I think 40K's <laughs> lore is at least more interesting. I would give it. It's more interesting the older stuff. The newer stuff I'm kind of at on. But... Yeah. I don't know. New yeah, I don't There's know. all kinds of weird gimmicky systems there. Oh, yeah. There's... I feel like we could record a whole episode that's I... actually just about the funness of gimmicks. Yeah. I mean, there there's cool shit in every system. That's the thing. And like... And you want to extract that stuff. And I think it's okay to do that for the most part. I like the usage die from the black hack. I think it's a very clever way of keeping track of things. That way you don't have to do something crazy, like have critical fumble tables where your weapon breaks. No, just have a, you know, have a, have a usage die. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, like what else? Like the new and era thing. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a blank that blanks. That's actually a really good way to get someone's character concept down on a character sheet. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah and that's that's my favorite part of it all is just like mm. creating the characters it does give you a lot of avenues for creating something that feels unique and would be fun to play yeah. um, i i i prefer completely random character i like morkborg's randomness because i really don't like people telling me how they were born i want yeah. the gods to give you a character that may or may not be what you wanted and see what you can do with it now here, here here's a question would you be able to make a game that's full system is built off of charts. I mean, like, you know, like random randomized charts where it's, it's like called okay, Traveler. Is everything <laughs> it, not everything is based off it, but I'm talking about like everything. Like they yeah. want to do a fighting action, okay? Roll a D20. And it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, roll the uh, six. Well, that's that's called Rollmaster. <laughs> if you want to get down to brass tacks. Everything in Rollmaster is a uh, a chart. You spend points. Yeah. Um uh, for your skills and your attributes, well, you roll for your attributes, 
and then you spend skill points based on your attributes, but you take five, five of the ten adders, ten fucking attributes in the game, you take five certain ones, add them up, divide, that's how many development points you have, and then you buy your skills from there, and each skill is worth uh, plus five. You know, each rank, and you can only go so many ranks by your level. And in the original Role Master, you actually had to pre-buy your skills that you were developing for your next level. So when you achieve the level, you got that skill. So your point, it was, the, yeah. And everything is by a chart. You roll to attack. So let's say you have a sword. You roll on the one-handed edge table. And across the top is the armor types. So let's say it's armor type, I don't know, like nine. Okay, what leather armor. And then down the left-hand side is the number you roll. If you roll a 96 or better in Roll Master, you roll again and add to it. If you roll like a 0, 4, 0, 3 or, or worse, you roll again and subtract from that. So you can go these big, big, big swoops. And then you cross-reference what you roll with the armor type, and that tells you, did you do any damage? If you did damage, did you do damage? Did you, and you, did you do a critical? And if you did damage and did a critical, you may have also done like bleeding, stun, uh, you may have forced him to be stunned and parry, stunned no parry. You could have knocked him down, and then you go to the critical chart, and the crit the the critical you do is divided up into uh, alpha letters. Um, it's also based on the size of the creature. So if you're fighting an orc, you may do it, uh, you know A through E criticals. The higher you roll, the higher the letter. Or if you're fighting an ogre, then you're going to go over to the large creature critical table, and then you got to roll really big to do a lot of damage. So yes, that game has been invented. <laughs> That was a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Halfway through, a lot of was... Rome Master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of the I, same way. Partway through, like I was like, man, I could probably have a drink of water, and not have to worry about choking. Yeah, man. Um, yes. So I had a yes. sip of water, shuffled there the deck go. of cards. Yeah, that was. Hey, man, you that's asked. a hell of an explanation. No, I know, and yeah. I was just like trying to follow along, but I was like, I missed one word there. Okay, what's this one about? Oh, I lost that. No, it, it just sounds <laughs> it sounds it sounds very complicated. And I like a lot of steps. It is very complicated yeah. system. I run it for you guys, but we take four four hours, if not a day, just to make characters. And then, like yeah. I said, your first level mage is gonna do not nothing at all except light a f-ing campfire, <laughs> and it's gonna take you three rounds to get the spell oh, out. Shit, that's excessive. Yeah, it's just stupid. Finder, what do we learn? We learned that gimmicks are not bad, necessarily. <laughs> One-trick ponies are not... Well, uh, most systems have gimmicks. Some systems are gimmicky plus a one-trick pony, and that's a, probably a bad combination. It could be fun for a pilot cleanser. All right. Well, RP people, that's all the time we have for today, and I hope you enjoyed us uh, pretending to know what we're talking about. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, let us know at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com. If you have some complaints, let us know at rpsmartpeople on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we also started up on a YouTube channel that currently just has our podcast with with our logo and work. But we're planning to start making a little bit more content for it. Maybe do some reviews, things like that. Maybe I'll show my pretty face. Actual um, plays. Want to do actual plays, but I plan to kind of start doing that in April when I have my vacation and have time on my hands. But until then, have a good week and see you next time.